Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob Kay. I'm a life coach in New York City. And I'm sitting here with Callie Alpert, everybody. What's up, Callie? Hey, Robbie. How are you doing today? It's good to see you. It is so good to see you. We haven't recorded for a little while. We had a little sabbatical, scheduling, things like that. We're very busy people with very busy lives. (laughs) We are so important. So, so very important. Let me tell you. So it's good that we could actually get our act together and get this show on the road again. I was really looking forward to recording today, so it's good to see you. I know, me too. And my disclaimer is as if, well, maybe it shouldn't be a disclaimer. If my voice is super sexy, it's my cold voice. There you struggling. go. I'm struggling. I have a little, um, I've been in some airplanes, some Petri dishes in the sky lately, so I have a little, little cold. So your immune system is working overtime trying to get you back on track. I think I've heard a lot of people getting colds. I think it's the weather going hot, cold, hot, cold. You know, our bodies sometimes pick up cold. <laughs> Yeah, if you do want to go this route, and I don't want to nitpick, but it really, colds are not so much about the weather, mm. it's just that cold weather will contain germs in a different way, and people aren't as, like, um, fluid and moving around, and, oh, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of, like, as much rotating, like, air around them. Oh, right. um, Anyway, that's a, maybe yeah. a subject for another day. Maybe it's an energetic thing, too, like a seasonal shift adjustment, trying to get used to... Well, I call it wanting to fatten up for winter. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole different thing. Yeah. But just started um, starting to think about um, hibernating a little bit and, mm. you know, the circadian rhythm shifting. That might be a part of it as well as allergies. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think that I have more interesting things to say than that. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure that was good information for everybody (laughs) as a cold. They're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. That's something new. So we're coming to you from the TalkingAlternative.com studio. We are our new home. This is a new place for us. We've got Sam on the soundboard, and he's running the whole radio station here. We're trying something new. It's a great environment, really good vibe here, lots of cool people. We walked in. I saw a friend of mine, Kim, sitting there who I hadn't seen since the summer, so I already like this place. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a nice sign. I like that, too. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about silence. We're going to talk about the value of silence and how helpful it can be, especially in such a busy world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And um, just the other day, I went to Central Park. I hadn't been there in weeks, and I wanted to check out the fall foliage. And just walking around there by myself, it was just awesome, you know, and just to be in that kind of silence with nature. And, you know, there are people walking around, but in general, it's like really connecting with nature and just feeling grounded and centered And, you know, a lot of times for me, silence is not only during meditation, but it's just maybe just doing basic things in my daily life. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be some big thing where I sit down and spend an hour meditating. I will say, though, that I think I heard somewhere that prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening to God. Mm, I like that. That's pretty. That's so, nice. Yeah. So when I meditate, I really try and listen to the silence. And there's such a power and a healing in the silence. My answers are in the silence. The love is in the silence. And most importantly for me, the peace is in the silence. Mm-hmm. And... um I say that because as I get older, one of the most important things to me is peace. Mm -hmm. It really is. And like even sometimes I find myself 
maybe watching a football game or a game on television, but I'll turn the volume off because I just don't need the extra noise sometimes. I just want to watch the game and, you know, catch some of it. Um, whereas when I was younger, it's like I always had to have all this stimulation mm-hmm. going on all the time. And then as I've gotten older, I just really appreciate kind of feeling peaceful. Yeah, yeah no, I really, um, I, 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 I completely agree with you and I feel the same. In fact, you know, it's funny because walking um, up here tonight, I walked through Central Park for the first time in a really long time. Mm. And I was thinking just that because I have become a little bit of a silence junkie, I think, in my you know, m- more recently in yeah. my in my adult years, mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that sound like? Sounds like I'm really really old, um, and and it was palpable. <laughs> it wasn't even that it was peaceful. It really it, in the middle of a you know rush hour in New York City, it was really genuinely quiet. And I was I was savoring that. Yeah. And one of the things I was thinking about, knowing that we were going to be talking about this today, is how talkative I used to be. When I was a kid, I had forgotten this, but when I was a kid, I was the one who was perpetually being relocated to a desk away from everybody else because I was talking too much and being interruptive. And it's almost hard for me to even connect with that person anymore because I relish silence so desperately on so many different levels so it comes in the form of I think the reason I've been thinking about this theme lately is probably um well again for many reasons but I am around do you ever are you ever around people where you walk into a room and there's just so much talking but you're not really sure anybody's saying anything yeah and it's not even like it's for me to judge what's insignificant what's important to someone else but Sometimes I feel like people are just talking in circles to talk, and I genuinely have no idea. I mean, I hear them. I understand what they're saying. Yeah. But that it doesn't sound like anything substantive's really happening, and yeah. that at all that the exchange really could have happened in a tenth of the time, for example. Mm. And I, you know, it gets me thinking about what that's about and where our comfort level is. Maybe in this country, maybe it's a cultural thing, um, with the idea of needing to hear ourselves talk, taking up space to almost justify our presence there, to justify our job, to justify our relationship. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think the more I notice it, the less I participate in it. Mm. And sometimes, frankly, it makes me a little um, intolerant, Mm. you know, where I just want to escape that space. Mm. Do you experience that ever? Yeah, I you know, I was thinking that sometimes people just feel awkward socially. And I think the more comfortable we are with ourselves, the more comfortable we are in conversations or just with people. So um, a lot of times, I mean, I can be very outgoing socially, but sometimes I'm like the quiet guy who's just listening to the conversation because I feel a little bit grounded, like I don't have to jump in or something like that. Um, and I think some people who just are more anxious than other people or again when they're in that environment they're more nervous than other people they don't know what to do so it's kind of like a little kid who's like trying to figure out what to do what to say and um i think that's that's one of the benefits i i got from sales you know being in sales for years i i've learned to talk to almost anybody about almost anything so when i go into an environment like that it's easy for me to sort of have a conversation but to get back to the silence i i find that 
I don't know about you. Well, I know about you. I'm I'm very. <laughs> you, have in, you have intel on me. Yeah, no, I'm very sensitive to sounds mm. and people getting <laughs> in my space, yes. and it's like sometimes I just need to get away and have a little breather, have a little silence to myself, you know. Um, and I think that's good, you know. I I feel I I think I've mentioned this to you recently. Yeah. I think I've self-diagnosed, um, or I've diagnosed myself with um, mis- misa or misophonia. Which is, or a version of it, uh-huh. which is a sort of obscure, or maybe it's progressively becoming less obscure, mm. but it's almost like um, a, a chronic sensitivity to very esoteric, strange, like noises, like for example, the scraping of a fork against a plate. And I have my, I, I really think this must be a karmic thing with me. I have the most crazy, neurotic intolerance for sounds above me that I can't control or see. Mm. So I just wrote my upstairs neighbor probably the 10th note this morning that I slipped underneath their door because, you know, in the morning there's just little taps or little drops of something or something maybe fell and it drives me bonkers. So that's really, it's really me. I mean, I have to, these are just normal, you know, life sounds that when you're living in shared space in an apartment building, particularly, you know, Mm. that's what happens. You Mm. share walls and floors and ceilings with people. Mm. And I can't, for the life of me get in touch with what it's about but when I can escape it or um, just even in my travels just in the last few days when I was out west in um, Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. um, and I stayed with a friend as soon as I walk into a space where I'm on the top level of a place mm-hmm. where there's quiet it's a quiet neighborhood and there's no one above me I breathe this huge sigh of relief Yeah, it really has I don't know what it is I, I don't know what I once heard a story that someone talked about where they had some karma with the sensitivity to noises and they had a similar issue Mm. and they had some sort of regressive therapy where they found out that they had once lived in a bordello that their mother ran and you know of course the 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 mother oversaw the place Mm. um and that when soldiers would come in with their heavy boots to go turn a trick with him you know the ladies upstairs that was the sound that this person in that incarnation heard and so Mm. now in this lifetime they're very sensitive to sounds above their hat so maybe my you know maybe whoever was my mother in my last life ran a bordello i have no idea yeah of course that makes total sense <laughs> i like how you connected all those dots yeah, is that a like, long story yeah no no that makes makes total sense no um well i think but going back to what you said that i think it's about our spirit you know we're like spiritual beings having a human experience you know and so sometimes like my spirit just needs to calm down and not be around people or get away from noises that are bothersome or look living in New York city, there's noise everywhere. And my building right now, they've been working on the balconies for over a year. And so I wake up every morning to construction noise and I'm amazed at how I've acclimated to that mm. and how I've gotten used to it. I can even meditate during it sometimes, which is incredible to me. I mean, I remember meditating. I didn't have time back when I had a marketing job and I, it was a nine to five gig and I'd meditate on the train so I'd be sitting there in the, you know, in the middle of a couple people meditating with all this noise from the train, but yeah. it's like we get used to it. You know, it's amazing as human beings what we can sort of get used to and acclimate to. Um, but to get back to the silence, I think it's sort of for me a mind, body, soul connection. It's just about the fact that when I was younger, I was really depressed 
and I had a lot of trouble with my emotions. I had a lot of trouble being in my body. I had a lot of trouble trying to just interact in the world and feel like I had any idea of I knew what I was doing. And so when I bring up all these different tools and things I do in my life today on the show, it's to let people know that we can feel better. And so one of the things I do with that is to value silence more, especially mm. when I'm upset. And it's something that I just try and practice. I heard the Dalai Lama recently. I, it was some clip that I saw. He might have been giving some kind of a keynote speech somewhere. And he said that he is no different from anyone else in the room except that his mind is more quiet. Mm. And it was such a beautiful, very simple and seemingly accessible um, kind of concept for all of us, you know, human humans that are aspiring to be, you know, as evolved as the Dalai Lama is, or at least, you know, trying to get somewhere in that direction. Mm. And so when you talk about, you know, quiet mind for me, um, because I do, I really uh, replenish myself and recharge mm. alone and in quiet. You know, I go and I don't literally hug trees, but I'm in nature as much as possible, and especially when I have busy weeks. Mm. I run to the woods and the mountains and the lakes and look for wide open spaces so that I can really get quiet. And mm. for me, it's twofold. It's number one, getting rid of the, um, the noise and the chatter and escaping that, but it's also allowing my inner quiet to get louder. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I just made that up. Thank you. You I'm are like so that. brilliant. You are the <laughs> you Dalai are, Lama. Yeah. Yeah. You are very generous. Um, and, and very blinded by love. Um, but I think that, you know, as I've gotten deeper into my own meditation practice yeah. and uh, just, you know, having gone this last year through a lot of transition and having to really go toward myself instead of running away from it, because I don't really I feel like the yeah. faster you run toward your shit, um, the more valuable. I think that's essential. Number one, I think it also dissolves it and softens it faster and you get to the more valuable nuggets. And for me, quiet is the stage that's set in order to facilitate that. Yeah. And I, I think that um, our culture um, is afraid of silence and quiet. Going back to our first point about feeling the need for chatter and distraction yeah. and talking and filling up space. And I think it really is an extremely counterintuitive thing to do if you want to calm down, mellow out. Mm -hmm get rid of stress, mm -hmm. get wiser, you know, further yourself on your evolutionary path, whatever your intention is. I don't think you can go wrong by trying to get quiet. No. And it's like, um, what you said about, um, oh, I totally forgot what you said. You were talking about, Oh, running to your, what, how'd you put it? Running to yourself rather than away from yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I was trying to articulate that when I was younger, I was, constantly running away from myself mm -hmm. even though I was on a spiritual path and I was learning these things I was a young kid and so I was overexcited and always kind of looking outward and not really spending a lot of time inward to calm down and realize that that was the true power that I wanted that was the true feeling of feeling confident and the rob I kind of wanted to be not to sound cliche or something but it's like looking inside and getting grounded inside from there was the foundation that everything was going to happen. And that is just such a, it's a powerful thing to realize at any point in your life. 
you reminded me though that I've never done this, but I want to, and it's sort of texting you do this, but um, I think the next woman that I'm dating, I want to have a date or just hang out with her uh-huh. where we write notes to each other, just sitting there in silence. We don't really say anything verbally, but we just write things back and forth, you know, or I don't know, maybe even try and have a conversation like just sitting there in silence, you know, where we don't have to write anything at all. Um, I think that'd be like a lot of fun. I think that's kind of sexy, actually. I uh, I, I flash back well, to you know me. <laughs> you can't help I yourself. Mean, come on. <laughs> so not anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I am actually flashing back to I was I, I was out of the country with a boyfriend of mine. This is many years ago. A former boyfriend, way former boyfriend, and I remember him. We were walking. Um, like I said, we were in a in a foreign country where he was living. I was visiting him for a spell of time, and I remember we had had whatever some kind of a kooky day, and he said to me can we not talk for the next hour? I just want to hold your hand and walk. Mm. And it was perfectly fine and Mm. lovely and soothing. And um, I think about even another example more recently, I was uh, at a mindfulness retreat uh, about two and a half months ago. And um, the two uh, men that run it, uh, that are also a couple, um, I've talked about them before. They both coach mindfulness in the corporate world. One is also an ad- ordained Episcopalian minister as well as um, practicing and teaching mindfulness. Lovely, lovely couple. Mm-hmm. They told me that when they don't have retreats and they're at their upstate home, they'll have two-week meditations with each other mm-hmm. where they will sit for two hours, take a little break, sit again, at night, you know, maybe watch a movie or read and not communicate verbally for two weeks alone in their home together. They're in a longstanding, I think, very healthy, uh, you know, relationship that's lasted for many years. And I don't know. Because they, they me, never talk to each other. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing. <laughs> that's that. why it's lasting so long. They're like, I think you are the greatest person I've ever been with. I don't much. I don't know much about you, but I think you're the greatest person I've ever been with. Um. It really seemed quite beautiful to me. You know, I thought it was a, it sounded like a very romantic notion when there's a discipline, um, there's a practice and there's also, you know, you're doing it with someone that you're intimately involved with, which could either be really easy or really difficult. I haven't tried it to such an extent ever. Um, but it seems like an interesting thing. You know, I feel compelled to think about ways that we can find quiet or silence in different ways because, you know, well, I wanted to just speak even to like my meditation practice, which sometimes I hesitate to even like espouse too much when we're um, doing our show, uh. um, because as much as it's become a mainstream practice for people, it's still a you know specific tool. I, I actually always prefer and support that people find their own way to whatever it is that they're aspiring to without us you know touting the virtues of any particular practice too much. Right, if that makes sense. Um, that said. The more I've done it, um, the more I drop into this delicious space of like a dark, thoughtless um, cave in my mind Um, or in my like in my body, I should say, because it's not technically in my mind. Mm. And it's almost I want to say it's addictive, 
but it's a really yummy, delicious place when you can drop in like that. And that really did come from my desire to get um, to, to be more disciplined with my own practice. It really did start coming more naturally. So I just I can't um, emphasize enough how that does naturally happen. But it doesn't have to be anything so um, disciplined or fancy. It could be as simple as leaving your family and going into a room and sitting quietly with a candle for five minutes a day so your kids aren't tugging at you or walking outside in your garden or sitting in the car or I've closed my my eyes on subways before like you were saying. I have standing up to you know just to kind of drop into a space where I try to tune everything out just to settle myself and um, trying to think, what are some other ways? I mean, there's so many ways to find silence. It's funny. I thought you were going to say, you said sitting in a car, and then I thought you were going to say closing my eyes while, <laughs> while I'm, I'm driving in a car. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's pretty good use of silence and <laughs> uh, yeah. a little adventure. I'm not that good. Well, no, I think all the ways you said, you know, especially taking breaks from people. You know, I have a lot of friends and I have clients who have trouble taking 15 minutes for themselves or 15 minutes five minutes mm. for themselves a day away from work and i'll be like put down the phone go outside walk around the block just yeah. do that and that sort of thing where they're not interacting with human beings for five minutes really can help them a lot i was thinking about an acting class i took years ago and one of the exercises was looking at each other without any communication at all. And um, it's very powerful because you want to talk about being vulnerable and naked and present with people. There's nothing that's guarding you or there's no sort of uh, face mask you have on. You're right there, you know. And, um, and it was such a valuable lesson in silence and sitting with somebody and not having to say something. Um, just practicing that for the first time. And then, I don't know if you heard about this artist, I forget her name, you probably know, she did an exhibition, I think last year or in the last couple of years, where she sat in a chair in a gallery. Do you know who this is? Are you talking about um, uh, 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 t- um, t- uh, t- something, Tilden? T- t- yeah, I t- uh-huh. Yeah, she's like... I, I can see her face. She was like in a glass encasement or something. Or was she just in a chair? No, she was just in a chair, but she sat there and the exhibition was thousands of people sitting down in a chair across from her and her just looking at these people and not saying anything. I don't know if I have the right person then. I'm not sure. It was just, it was an, they did a documentary about it. It was an incredible exhibition. And what happened was eventually people, because they were so vulnerable and so present, some people would start crying Mm. because it was a soul to soul connection. And nothing was being said except the unsaid, Mm. just the silence. And sometimes the both of them would be crying. And it wasn't necessarily crying out of sorrow, although I'm sure she picked up on people's sadness um, and vice versa. But it was also sometimes just the love, you know, that these two people, sometimes I say shit on this show and I'm like, (laughs) Rob, what are you saying? But I mean this. It was like there was like a love between these two people, like two human beings where they were just connecting like a soul to soul and not having to be anybody other than who they were in that moment, Mm. in that exhibition, sitting in that chair. And it was like an amazing Mm. thing to see. It was an incredible thing to see. That is so beautiful. Actually, um, I'm sorry, I don't know more about that or I haven't seen it. But as you describe it, it feels like, um, you know, it's just yet again a reminder that 
the magic is in the silence and the stillness and not in the clutter, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe the question to ask ourselves is why are we all so insistent on distracting ourselves from just being? You know, you described that moment where these two strangers are sitting being pure with each other and they're simply being, um, you know, vulnerable and not distracted. And in the flash of whatever, a few seconds or a minute, they're connecting on a really deep level. That's intimacy. And that's not because they know each other in the mind or each other's personalities or feelings or have had a nice fireside chat with a cup of coffee or over a cocktail. Yeah. It's because they were just still and quiet with each other. Yeah. That, that, that really says a lot. You know, so what is it that makes us so compelled, so reflexively to crowd our days, crowd our minds, crowd our hands with technology, you know, crowd our schedules? What are we so afraid of? Like, what is so terrifying about stopping and looking at ourselves in the mirror for three seconds? Why is that so scary? Well, I think it's like people say the longest distance in the world is from the mind to the heart. And I think a lot of people are just running away from themselves. Like you said, you said it very well in the beginning of the episode. And I think one of the reasons why maybe I can practice sitting in silence a little or being a little more present with people is because I've done a lot of work on myself to be able to be that intimate, to be able to have that closeness, which I didn't grow up with. You know, I learned that. Yeah. And I've been practicing that. And let me tell you something. It's not like I walk around, I'm intimate and close with everybody. I want to be in silence with everybody. <laughs> right? not, not at all. I mean, you know. You don't just walk up to people and just walk in step with them and just sort of quietly... I just stare. I just, yeah, I just walk up to a group of people and just stare. <laughs> and that is the most creepy thing ever. No. So, um, but I think it's about, it's nice that I can turn that on when I want to and flick that switch or turn off that switch and be like, you know, I'm just going to sit and relax and observe and not have to feel like I have to do something or be something. But to go back to your point, I think a lot of people are consistently distracting themselves from themselves. And I think one of the things that I'm trying to do on the show is to remind people that they are the most important person in their life. And the better they focus on themselves and take care of themselves, the better life they're going to have and the better they're going to be for everybody else in their life. Yeah. Fill up the cup, people, right? Fill up our cups. Um, also, and I just lost my, my, my cold brain just kicked in and I lost my train of thought. Oh, I was going to say that, you know, and even in my own experiences, I aspire to do the, to stay on that sort of road as well. Mm. It's really damn relaxing to just become more comfortable in your own skin and not feel the need to fill up space by talking or laughing or entertaining yeah. or crowding your day, you know, all the things that we've been referring to. It's a really um, liberating feeling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's no pressure. There's at least less, I'm not going to say no self-consciousness, but those kinds of things, self-consciousness, insecurity, you know, the need to entertain other people or feel comfortable that's a lot of pressure to put on oneself yeah those are a lot of extra pounds of weight and baggage that we carry around on our shoulders and it really you know if you're willing to just sort of stop and walk through it for a little while it actually feels great and it's really pretty effortless i think it's one of the the values to getting older too is that we gain that confidence where we don't have to do so much or try so hard and we can just sort of relax. And, um, I too, like you, I value that so much. I love that. I can remember, Hey, you're going to a party. 
you know, just go and start talking to one person. And next thing you know, you'll meet somebody else and it'll be fine. And then while I'm in the conversation, you know, I'm just trying to pay attention, you know, show interest. And I don't have to be Mr. Likeable or everybody likes me. When I was younger, I was very focused on things like that. Yeah. And so it's made me um, probably better to be around because I don't have that anxiety about it, you know. And I mean, look, when I go to a party anyway, I'm usually, you know, trying to have fun and and focus on that. But in general, as I've gotten older, it's really been about not worrying about that. And I think it's come from having that silence in my life where I'm used to that and I don't, I'm not intimidated by it and I don't worry about it at all. I kind of welcome it sometimes. Like I love that Billy Joe song, leave a tender moment alone. Oh yeah. I haven't heard that song in a while. It's, it's a great song and it's, you know, I think of that sometimes, um, when I've been dating Although I'm on sabbatical, but are we still on sabbatical? Okay, that's yeah, a different. That'll be uh, the love and sex show part four. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's and it's been a welcome break. I got to tell you, um, but it's uh, there is something about when you're on a date or when you're talking to a close friend or a relative and you're having a a really nice conversation. There is that moment where you don't feel like you have to fill in that gap of silence. You don't have to do anything. You can just let it be. Just be in that moment. And like you said, that's magical. There's so many things now I could say as we, you know, uh, approach the end of our show. What you just described is the very beginning of Michael Singer's book, The Surrender Experiment, which I could talk about. I've been talking about his books now. They're very deep in my brain and heart in this last month. Um, But I'm going to recommend that because that's the very first few pages of his book has to do with noticing that silence and what that did for him to help him on his road to getting out of his mind and quieting his life and all the benefits that came from that. So Mm. don't recommend a lot of books on on our show, but that just came to mind. So with that, we thank everybody for listening, for your support as always. Please keep your comments and suggestions coming um you can write us at the rob and callie show at gmail.com and if you'd like to learn more about me feel free to check me out at callialpert.com yeah and just everybody thanks for all your support we really appreciate it this is so much fun doing this show i'm so glad that i got to hang out with i know my sister callie and um Really look forward to the next episode. And if you want to find out more about me, you can go to robk.com. Take care, everybody. Thank you.